thing people should know about you, but they don't. Some of my interests include like art and fashion and like design. I'm really good friends with Mike Lou. I could beat him in basketball. You could, <laughs> you could quote that. <laughs> now that might be the open. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Human Element, Kara's podcast focused on modern marketing. I am so excited to have two of our own here today, Christine Pinheiro, EVP Managing Director, and Ryan Prasad, VP Director of Planning, both with Kara US. Welcome. Oh, thanks for having Thank us. Thank you. Happy to be here. The enthusiasm is palpable. <laughs> I know. I've got you here in the afternoon, so we'll, we'll have to see how this goes. Uh, by the way, if you see me uh, you know, cheering or being excited, the Yanks literally just first pitch a couple minutes ago. So, uh, oh, okay. All right. I won't try to be, I won't be too distracted. I actually had the audio on, and uh, Jason couldn't find a way for me to leave it on without it messing up the pod. So, um, What we want to try to do today is talk about something that I think at once gets lots of focus in our industry, but at the same time almost doesn't, if that makes sense as a discussion, and that is where planning has come from and how it has changed, and more importantly, even where it is going. So to that extent, if you could both give me a little bit about your roles currently uh, and maybe a bit of a short historical arc and how you got there. Sure. So I am managing director on the Pfizer business. Um, I've been One I've been a longest car- standing long, yeah long clients. time. I think I had my 15 year this year really? and, uh, with Pfizer. So thank you. So <laughs> really great partnership of yep. being here, but also with with them as clients. Um, so my role as managing director is I oversee the entire client relationship, making sure we're hitting all our goals, managing the portfolio, working with planning and activation, and, and just making sure everything runs right. And if it doesn't. I fix it. So, Ryan, little background. Yeah, so I've been at the agency now about seven years. My experience has been mostly around some of the more CPG brands Mm. uh, that the agency has had. Um, My most recent role has been the planning lead for Cadillac. Mm. And my responsibility there was just to really just do things that were cool. Things like culturally (laughs) uh, groundbreaking from their eyes. Um, So it it was really just trying to make sure that that brand was really focusing on the heart of consumer culture. That's a pretty good job description. Do things that are cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's on my business card. <laughs> <laughs> so um, let's start with kind of the big question. Uh, Christine, how has planning changed even just in the past decade or so? What have been kind of the big sort of shifts in that? I I would say from my perspective, the shift has been what's been happening around planning Mm. and how planning has had to adapt. So I think at the root of a lot of it is you have the media fragmentation, right, which we're all very, very aware of, but that the specialization that's Mm -hmm. developed in the industry, right? So we had digital and then we specialized digital. We had programmatic, search, social, e-commerce, right? And we've added more and more specialization. And so planners have always been generalists. And Mm. so what's happened or what was happening over time is that generalism was maybe becoming more a traditional generalism as we added more Mm -hmm. specialization. And I think what we've all realized in the last couple of years is, wait, we we need to pull this back because everything's everything's digital. So how do we bring back that idea of planning being being generalist, but maybe a little bit more... um, 
expert in technical and analytical type of skills. So I think mm. that's, to me, that's the big thing I've seen. Yep. Redefining planning based on still being generalist, but in a, in a, in a more digital forward way. Mm. Uh, Ryan, from your perspective, what are the big, you know, the one or two things that have been big shifts in your time? Yeah, I think the way that planning has been approaches kind of like the connective tissue amongst all the different teams within mm-hmm. the the organization. I think you have to work with these specialists in a way, but also learn from them so you're able to articulate these things to the clients. And then I think secondly, the importance of our relationship with clients has really evolved. When you hit a really great client relationship, it's a really special thing and you're really brought to the table as a trusted and valued partner. And I think that's kind of like a, a really great evolution because you're, you're no longer just being seen as like the media person in the room. You're being seen as a vested stakeholder in their business. Yeah. So this horizontal, because planning to some extent has always been a bit of a horizontal thing, right? It's a horizontal function. Um, a and mile, you need to go mile wide and like an inch deep. Yeah. Is the like, way I've, I've had some people describe yeah. it to me. Um, is it more and more important as specialization gets built out and there'll be a new one tomorrow afternoon, that that horizontal layer comes also with uh, process and a way of working and an approach such that these different specialties can be connected up together. My understanding is that's always kind of been the way it works, but I think it might even be more important now. The process for how we do it probably needs to evolve a little bit because planning is still linear, very linear. Yeah. And we always talk about how the consumer journey is not, right? Yep. We've been talking about for years, but we have a planning process that's still that, somewhat that linear. Is, yeah. So how do we become more, more like digital in a way? Where do mm. we think more about test and learn and optimization and being more iterative versus there's no more doing a, you know, an annual plan and like this is gonna be my plan yep. for the year. I'll, you know, maybe check, you know, make some maintenance on it and then we'll we'll work work on the plan for next year. It's it's never ending, yep. but our process is still a little bit stuck in the longer term linear process. So I think that's some of the adaptation that we're trying to work towards. Ryan, from your perspective, what are kind of the necessary elements of the changes to that process? Like, how are you attempting in your work to make maybe a linear or waterfall process, for lack of a better term, to use a software analogy, uh, more agile? We need to revamp the way that we think about planning in terms of it being, I plan something is done for the year, I'm going to wait for another brief. Mm. People's, like our clients' businesses don't work like that. There's always opportunity in the market and there's always room for us to bring them new opportunities and ideas. And especially as brands move to be more reactive to culture, mm. it lends itself to our teams to be able to bring those bring them those ideas. Christine, when you, it, it, there's a lot of talk here as we kind of look at some of the ways we want to evolve the brand. Um, and I think to some extent with some of our clients, uh, around this idea of experience design and that we are increasingly in the business of planning experiences and that those experiences are, to some extent, no different in their need for, uh, you know, a multidisciplinary team to build them uh, as an application or a web experience or what have you. What's your kind of perspective on the way in which experience design plays a role with planning? With planning and how it's evolving, it it seems to fit very nicely with everything we've been talking about with regards to audiences mm. and 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 still a work in progress in terms of moving from 
channel approach. Sure. I mean, we're still, you know, more traditional approach. And I think teams are in different different phases of that. But I think longer term, everyone recognizing it, the marketplace is going to force us sure. too, to move to audience planning. But I think it works together very nicely because when you think about planning, we ma- we manage all those channels, right? We have yep. oversight of the budget. And then this takes it to back to the fundamentals of who are we trying to talk to? Sure. What what is that experience we want for them? And then based on who they are, also managing that audience, right? This is who my audience yep. is. And I'm working with all of my collaborators across disciplines to make sure that I'm talking to to this right audience in the way that I know is is the way I need to reach them based on the insights work I've done. So sure. I think I think what's interesting about it is it's it has that potential to be that new framework that we need to 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 move away from some of the legacy ways sure. ways of working. Yeah, I mean in that regard and in that that was a very good description it's it's very similar to persona development, you know, use case and and the way in which you know, digital experiences are are built and created, whether it's an application-based experience or what. Um, and there's a real strong corollary there, uh, at least at least in my mind. Christine, when you have your discussions um, with your client partners, how do you try to sort of get them in the right frame of mind, an open frame of mind that says, okay, you know, let's remove budget complications, executional complications, like let's remove the things that we always use. And I use myself in this too, you know, as marketers to sort of, oh, we can't do that, right? How do you try to help remove those frames to try to get at a, you know, a fresher approach? One thing that we're fortunate with is our key partners are the media media team mm-hmm. advisors. So I think we can we can work very hand in hand sometimes in terms of, okay, what are the things we want to focus on and how can we bring that to a specific brand? And so sometimes it's just brainstorming together on, Mm -hmm. okay, we really want to do this. Who do we think is going to be the hand raiser for it? So a lot of times it's that, it's working together on it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it just takes repetition also with, you know, you bring something, not ready for it, you bring it again, and then you just have to wait for that opportunity. We're like, actually, this this might be something we want to consider. So what makes for a healthy, powerful, strong agency-client relationship? A lot of openness. People people say transparency. It's an overused word, but I would say it's it's more openness and being you know being open on both sides with both the positive and the negative. Mm. Not being afraid to have those hard conversations, whether it's you have to share something or ask for something, and really listening to them. I find sometimes listening or to what they're saying or what they're not saying. Right. Um, you know, we definitely we've had instances of that <laughs> where it's like, well, we're not getting feedback on that, and maybe that's not a positive thing and maybe it's given us an opportunity to step back and like maybe maybe we need to delve into this and so it's been insightful. Ryan, do you have anything you want to add to that? I think being genuinely vested in their business is is a really positive thing because when clients see that passion and hear that passion in your voice when you're talking about their business or like presenting back to them, I think that they really feel that. They're just going to take it to heart that you're wanting to help them achieve their objectives. And once they achieve their objectives, it's good for the agency, which is then good for you, which is it's, it's a trickle-down effect in that manner. So let's change gears. Those are great answers, by the way. Thank you. Let's change gears a second. You guys are both in the heat of the moment in that you are currently in market with clients around plans that you are actively managing and optimizing, what have you. Um, 
there are a number of challenges as it relates to the industry. Let me sort of rapid fire go through them and and let me know sort of how you're handling them. So the first one, obviously, is around brand safety. How big a discussion is that day in, day out with your clients? And and how are you working to sort of manage and, and hedge those issues? I would say that might be number one. <laughs> Based on the nature of the business sure, I manage, I sure. would say brand safety was a... The nature of our business, brand safety, before even people were calling it brand safety, yes. was yeah. probably our number one focus. Yes. Don't 10 get years into ago. trouble. Right. So, yeah. so in some ways, I don't want to say it's easier for us. It's actually quite complicated, but we've it's it's like second nature in a way. Mm, interesting. We're usually pretty far out in terms of whatever's coming down the pike in the industry. We're already mm-hmm. working on. We've been, you know, obviously CCPA. And the impact there has been a discussion and, and you know, it's still in development, but that's something we're paying very close attention to. Yeah, and the, um, the other attendant 10 or 11 states that are going to follow right. rapidly and so behind. Right, what does that mean? Right, yeah. so I, I imagine it's not going to be till 2020 and then we'll yep. all be kind of moving kind of quickly. So so for us, it's a little bit easier in that it's it's table stakes very much. Right. Ryan, bit of a spin on that question with a specific ask around new and emerging platforms. So... Let's just, for the sake of argument, use TikTok, just because I have a teenager in my house. Um, a, have you done anything with any of your clients around that platform? And and B, when you're considering a new platform like that, how much sort of discussion with the client has to happen to get them to sort of participate, I guess? I think it really depends. I haven't, unfortunately, done anything with them yet. Yeah. But I think it, it's two perspectives to that. One, it could be, it's a lot of convincing to get someone to test out a new emerging platform like that. Or two, someone wants to go in, but they want to go in for the wrong reasons. Mm. And they just want to slap an ad there and it's going to turn out bad because they're just going to disrupt right. the experience. and The user know, base will revolt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. People yeah. are fickle and they're going to yep. be like, why, are they, why is this just like a pre-roll ad here? Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's like understanding the behavior. We did a lot of stuff with Snapchat when they were like, in TikTok's place right now. Right. So really understanding how people are using it, the platform, before you get in, involved with it. Because like the worst thing that any brand could do is just jump on the fad just to jump on the fad and, and disrupt the experience. You you need to be authentic when you're you're kind of like going into a platform where people really value their time. 24 months from now, two and a half years from now, what, what do you think the state of planning will look like Um in terms of the approach, the work you do, and maybe even the talent and how the talent has changed? Mm-hmm. I don't know if we'll recruit different. That's something I think about a lot. Like, well, we still want people who come from very diverse backgrounds in terms of what they have studied versus more technical. And I think our training will be more rigorous. And I think it'll be much more based in how they need to function from a technology and analytics perspective and maybe more grounding. A lot of things that have been fundamentally digital, whether it's around tracking and tagging and optimization. Um, Ryan, from your perspective, uh, how do you, when you do hiring, do you have a certain set of, particularly junior level hiring, do you have a certain set of things that you're looking for? Yeah, I think, I think curiosity is probably the number one thing. See now, Ryan, you're just, this is just uh, pandering to my uh, favorite (laughs) answers. So, uh, you've, you've managed to hit on a, on a word that I absolutely adore as it relates to the marketing field. I think 
that's like the beating heart of it. And now I'll let you actually finish your answer. Sorry. No, no, no. All good. Hopefully I get invited back. Yeah, no, <laughs> well, you were going to get invited back anyway. Now we might just give you the pod. Uh, yeah, I think that's probably the number one thing because like that can't really be taught to people either. Hmm. And, and I think when someone's passionate and curious, you could really have them, give them freedom to do anything. What's the one thing people should be talking about in this business that they aren't? I don't know if they aren't talking about this because I've started to see it more. And it actually came up at our uh, CARA event that we had at our Advertising summit. Yeah, our yeah. summit. And I've seen a couple of, is, is around ageism. Mm. Because I, something I've thought about. Oh, the Google event. You mean yeah. the uh, ad weekend? Yeah, yeah, and yeah I think yeah. someone had asked a question and I was like, oh, wow. And then I saw an article about it recently because it hasn't, it's like the most obvious thing that's not talked about in our industry. And as someone who's been in our industry for a yeah. while, I'm very happy to see it starting to be talked about because yeah, I think I mean, it's we've, time. We've 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 certainly covered or at least begun the process yeah. of uncovering taboo subjects in other areas right. around equality right. and fair treatment and and, and everything. Um, but you're right; this one we sort of still keep in the in the shadows. We do. Yeah, some of this is right. And some of this is wrong. And what I mean by that is, you know, conventional wisdom is as you get older, you are somehow more disconnected, quote unquote, from what the beating heart of the current right. is. And that's, that is a factual statement, right? Totally. As my Snapchat usage will show you, zero. Right. But um, by the same token, there is exceptional value in the connective tissue of history, because history does have a way of coming back around again. And you sort of are able to put a frame on me like, okay, we've been down that road. Right. Here's what we learned the first time. Right. Here's how we might be able to do it better. And, and those things are real too. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and having that perspective yeah. and the steady hand. Yeah, because matters. you're right, things come around and they may be a little bit different, mm-hmm. but it, it all comes back. And so how do you have the right... Um, the right mix of experience, right yeah. exactly. Yeah. Uh, from your perspective, Brian, what's the what's the one thing that people should be talking about in the business that they aren't? A lot of people have been talking about personalization and personalization of scale. A lot of people talk about that. I just wish people would talk about it not really being the silver bullet for every client, because <laughs> I think that like everyone just like grasp on that term or, or like the industry. This is my biggest like hiccup on the industry. It's like sometimes people grasp on a certain concept or theme and then it's like Bible for everyone. It's yeah. like you need to think about customizing things for an experience versus like personalized all the time because it's creepy in, in a lot of instances. Yeah, it's a great point. And, and some of those discussions in the more addressable parts of the business, i.e. the CRM part of the marketing business, we've been having those conversations for a long time and, and and to some extent have gotten past some of the, you know, uh, the glorious, blissful possibility of everything and gotten a little more focused on, all right, this is the stuff I need to do. I mean, I can remember 12, 13 years ago when we were building, I was at an uh, email service provider database company and we were building all kinds of dynamic multivariate kinds of things for uh, a travel company. And at the time, you know, we were doing to 150, 200 different variables in the work that we were doing. And yet, I would say 30% of those actually had material yield improvements to what we were doing. So the experimenting is great, but it's like, all right, do I really need 
this level of scale on the experiments. Um, and I think there's some parts of the business now that are still kind of just starting to learn that same thing. Now, by the same token, there are still plenty of areas in the business who don't do anywhere near enough, right? It's still two messages all the time. You know, they're dropping money into retargeting. It's the same two damn ads that follow you all over the place. Right, and you've already bought the product. And you, it, it just, <laughs> again, so, so there's plenty of room to go in other areas. All right, so lightning round. We ready? Ready. This is the exciting part. Uh, favorite digital experience, so application, web environment, whatever. Today, my favorite is uh, the Ring app. I don't know if you have that with like the cameras. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I do so not have that. So I have them in my apartment because I have a couple of dogs and I have dog okay. walker coming in. We have them in my house upstate for security. Yeah. We have so many cameras. Like my, my, my husband finds new places <laughs> to put cameras all the time. And like it's great because you can see what's going on. We can see if there's a bear on our property. Right. But today I liked it because my dogs have been up to some vandalism oh, really? in my apartment, taking apart one of their beds and we didn't know who was doing it. We now have video proof. Of the culprit. Of the culprit and what's happening. And it's happening. one of them, not... It's probably both, but we just happened you to catch one. one. <laughs> so, and it was like pretty funny. My husband sent it to me today. So we know we know who the, with the vandal is now. What if Got it was out. a setup? Hmm? What if it was a setup? It was a setup. Set, you know what? It could have been because right, right. he's, he's a little bit younger. Spoken, yeah, and he, spoken he, like yeah. a total uh, conspiracy theorist. <laughs> uh, that's very apropos of your generation. Yeah. You, it's all fake. That was a doctored <laughs> photo. It's a deep fake. Deep fake. <laughs> deep fake. Uh, Ryan, your perspective, favorite digital experience? So I think my favorite digital experience that I've seen in the last few months was what Burger King did with the AR app where they were like mm. burning people's or burning their competitors' ads. Yeah. I don't know if you guys have seen it. Have you seen that? So essentially like you, I think you use the Burger King app, but you would just like, if you saw out of home post um, billboard for McDonald's, you could just wave your phone on it and it like, the ad bursts into flames and uh, um, a coupon gets revealed for, for a free whopper. So I think it was like a really dope use of technology, but then also value for the consumer because they got like a burger. Hopefully at that point it was impossible, but I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, best piece of content recently consumed can be anything, podcast, uh, TV, Netflix series, book, um, Succession oh on God. HBO. Yes. Have you watched yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like Success. saving the season finale. Okay, so you I haven't seen that. No, I okay. just know it's on a yacht. I'm very excited. It is on a yacht. Um, I think it's like it's I, the greatest show on TV right now. So well written, so smart. What I love most about this show is that similar to, to Veep, although... Uh, also a, amazing. That, yes. Also amazing show. Yeah. Two great writing shows, right? Uh, and deeply profane, which is why I love <laughs> it. But um, is... And, and to a greater extent with Succession, their ability to really combine actual complexity of character emotion in a drama, mm-hmm. it's clearly a drama, but also deliver humor is virtually unmatched. It's very poetic. It's, it's very like Shakespearean, I would say as well. Oh, for sure. Thing people should know about you, but they don't. Go ahead, give it to me. Some people know this about me, but I have a very unhealthy obsession with The Real Housewives. Oh, really? My husband would say it's an unhealthy obsession. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You guys have been fantastic. Thank you so much for doing this. Very excited to be here. Uh, You come back. Absolutely. All right, fantastic. Thanks so much uh, for another episode of The Human Element. Remember, you can find us anywhere you find your pods. And if you are so motivated, give us a like or... For a limited time, free offer for the rest of the year. Subscribe. Is this joke old yet? Come on.
more of them. Uh, three, three or four more weeks yeah. of this? Uh-huh. Okay. Remember, it's $59.99 to subscribe in January, so please do it before the end of the year. Uh, thanks so much, and we'll be out to you real soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.